morning, guys. How you doing? You ready to dive into this series here? Rooted. Come on. I love the oohs and ahs when you saw the graphic and stuff. So, um, well, I, I am excited to, to kick this thing off. Um, about four weeks ago, I felt like the Lord put on my heart, kind of gave me some direction to really dive deep into Scripture and really study doctrine. I was reminded of a couple of verses like what Chris just read about the command in Scripture to know good doctrine and be able to defend it. And uh, so I don't think it's coincidence that just four weeks later that Tyler and the elders are saying, hey, let's, let's go into this. Let's preach it to our church. Let's make sure we are rooted and grounded in the truth. So I think that God has something in store for us. And I believe that we're going to come into this stronger and more secure in what we know is the truth based on the Word of God. You guys ready? We're going to be um, hanging out in the book of Romans. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Romans? And uh, we are starting this series with uh, what I believe and what we believe is the very foundation of our faith. It is the very beginning of this whole relationship with God. It's the very entryway into being a believer. And that thing is one of my favorite topics, and that's called the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. So with the gospel, uh, (laughs) I like you excited. With the gospel, there's four different things that we need to be able to do with the gospel, all right? The first thing is you got to know it. Everybody say, know it. You got to know the gospel, but it's not just information. The next step is you got to choose to believe it. Everybody say, believe it. Now, again, the, the gospel is not just something to know in your mind and to believe in your heart, but it's, it's actually something to live. So the third step is to live it, to live the gospel. Everybody say, live it. And then after you live it for a while and you really get to know what the gospel is, you start to discover that actually this is really, really, really good news, and you can't help but share it. So everybody say, share it. So literally the word gospel means good news, and I'm excited for us to know it, to be able to believe it, to choose to believe it, to live it out, and to be able to share it with those around us. Now, how many of you guys have heard the word gospel before? Just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. How many of you guys are confident that you can get on this stage and in two minutes or less explain what the gospel is? Nice. Okay, uh, you, 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 I'm just kidding. (laughs) Come up here. Awesome. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you thought I might call on you. That's all right. So if you're not confident, that's okay. Um, I grew up in church my whole life and somehow missed the gospel, which is so sad because, guys, the gospel is not only is our very foundation, it is the whole point of what we're doing here as believers and, and what it means to be a Christian and a follower of God. So um, you don't need to worry. If you're not that confident, I'm going to help you out this morning, all right? Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to just simply preach the gospel. But I'm going to give it to you guys in a very simple, easy-to-remember way um, that you will walk out of here and you'll be able to know what the gospel is. You may not like everything that I'm saying, but you're going to remember everything I'm saying, all right? So I'll make it that easy for you. But I've got a warning for you guys. The gospel is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's got power. It's got power to save, it's got power to heal, it's got power to deliver, it's got power to change a life, it's got power to completely transform somebody. Come on. And actually, that's exactly what happened to me. Like I said, I grew up my whole life, and it wasn't until I was 17 years old that I believed the gospel, and what happened as I believed the gospel, my life totally got turned upside down, and I am a much different person than I was before. And you are thankful that you know me now and not then. 
uh, the gospel has radically transformed my life. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says it this way, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The gospel of Christ, this good news, the message of Jesus and who he is and what he came to do is powerful. And it has power to save, to deliver, to heal and transform us. So there's your warning. Be careful this morning. It's going to be good. All right. So the question we're going to answer is, what is the gospel? And I'm going to break it down for you guys in four, like I said, four easy to remember parts of the gospel. It's kind of a progression. Um, and we're going to be traveling through what is commonly referred to as Romans Road. Everybody say Romans Road. It's a familiar um, um, a tool to help share the gospel and present the gospel. And we're going to look at different passages throughout Romans. Um, and it's going to be real clear, what is this gospel? And here are the four parts that we're going to be progressing through that I think summarize the gospel. The first one, the gospel starts with God's intention. Everybody say God's intention. God's intention. The next one is sin's separation. Say sin's separation. You got this. Number three is Jesus' invitation. Say Jesus' invitation. Jesus invitation. And then the last one is our participation. You guys got this. So God's intention it is what God intended from the very beginning, which was for relationship with us. And then sin, there's this thing called sin that separated us from God and broke that original intention. Then third step, Jesus' invitation. Through what he did for us on the cross and through his resurrection, he invites us back into relationship with God, which is God's original intention. And last but not least, it is our participation. How do we respond to everything that Jesus did for us? So I'm going to break these four things down, and we are going to have a lot of fun doing it. You guys okay with having a little fun while we do this? Awesome. Okay, so number one, God's intention. The gospel starts with the reality of God. God is almighty, he is all-powerful, he's infinite, and he's uncreated. And God chose to create you and me. And he, his purpose in creating us was to have a close and personal relationship with us. First stop on the Romans road, Romans 1.20, it speaks of God creating us and creating the whole world and how literally creation itself points everyone, no matter where you grew up, no matter what nation you're from, no matter what people group you're from, all of creation points us to God. It says this in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God created everything, and he created us. So let me be clear. We came from God. We did not come from monkeys or apes or bacteria or fungi or anything else you've heard lately. We came from God. Every single one of us are, are a, the creation of God. And it's not just us in general. It's not just God made Adam and Eve in, in the garden. It's not just an us. It is God made you. And God made me. So, yes, he created orig the original humans, Adam and Eve, and he created the human race to be able to procreate. But each and every single one of us are the specific and the intentional work of God. Psalm 139 makes it real clear. If you've ever read that psalm, it's a really good one. You should dive into that. But Psalm 139 says very clearly that it is he who formed us in our mother's womb. You are created by God. You're created on purpose by God. Intentionally by God. You were the brilliant idea in the mind of God. 
that came into reality here on earth. You are fearfully, wonderfully, and purposefully made by God. And you know what happens to us when this part, this first part of the gospel really sinks in? It, it, it strengthens our sense of value and worth and purpose. And listen, you know, last time I checked, in our generation, there's a lot of people struggling with whether or not they have purpose and value and worth. The, the epidemic of depression rates, suicidal rates, they are, they are through the roof in our generation. And I believe that one of the main reasons, though there's many, is that people don't know that they were intentionally made by a loving God that wants them here. When this sinks into our hearts, you know what we can do, guys? We can literally wake up every single morning with so much purpose. And you know that you're made on purpose, for a purpose, by God. And let me just be real and just honest this morning, this first part we're diving into. If you're here today and you've been struggling with whether or not you have purpose, you've been struggling with uh, depressive type thoughts, you've been struggling even with suicidal thoughts, then God wants you to know that he has you here on purpose. That he loves you and created you on purpose for a purpose. And he wants you to know you can experience freedom today if you just let him into your heart and to your life. Those thoughts that your, your life doesn't matter, that's the devil. You know what Jesus does with the devil? He rebukes him. <laughs> okay, and he, get, he gets him out. And you know, many of us can celebrate that, but if you're in the trenches of feeling these things that you don't have much worth, it's hard. But Jesus has all the power and all the authority in heaven and earth. And there's no lie from Satan that can overcome his power. I believe Jesus wants to set some of us free this morning. Actually, let me just, I'm going to pray for a second. If you're struggling with this, I'm just going to pray. Ready? Jesus, you have all authority in heaven and earth. If there's anyone in this room that's struggling with negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts, depressive thoughts, lies about who they are and their worth, I rebuke the lies of Satan this morning in Jesus' name. And I say, you got to go. I pray that you replace those lies with truth, that they are created by you on purpose, for a purpose. And you have them here this morning. And you love them. Thank you for freedom today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So, again, to summarize this whole point number one, God's intention is that we were made on purpose by God for a purpose, and that purpose is actually the same for every one of us. The ultimate purpose is actually the same for all of us. It might, you play itself out in different locations or different vocations, but the ultimate purpose is clear, and that is God wants us to have a personal and daily relationship with him. But there's a big problem that got in the way of that relationship that we're supposed to have with God. That leads us to our next part of the gospel, which is sin's separation. Next stop in Romans Road, Romans 3, 23. It's really clear. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, 23. Another uh, verse in Isaiah says it this way, Isaiah 59, verse 2. It says, but your iniquities or your sins have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Here's what sin does, is it literally completely separates us from God. And how many people, according to the word of God, have sinned? All, that, which means all, <laughs> all of us. There's not a single one of us that have not sinned. And what is sin? I mean, it's any act, thought, word, motive that is in disobedience or dishonor to God. There's lots of examples of sin. So any act of disobedience to God, and that's what sin does. Now, with sin, there also comes punishment and consequence, which 
this is really a, a crucial part of the gospel and really a crucial part of clear and good doctrine is that there is consequence to sin. If there was no consequence to sin, then someone could accuse God of being unjust. Because if God did nothing about evil, nothing about sin, then he, it would be treated like negligence, and he would not be a just judge, a just God. But sin requires something to pay for it. And Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to kind of diverge from Romans for a second. I think Ephesians chapter 2, that chapter really explains the consequence of sin and, and what sin actually does and kind of where it leaves us. So I want this to really land. It expresses what we deserve because of sin. And it says this in Ephesians 2, verse 3. The whole context of this is talking about the gospel. And it's talking about how we're dead in sin. And here's what it says, Ephesians 2, verse 3. It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Again, just emphasizing that all of us have sinned in some way by the lust of our flesh. And we fulfilled the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Whew, light reading for this morning. <laughs> children of wrath. What, what is this talking about? It, 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 what it's clearly saying is that because of our sin, we deserve wrath. We deserve consequence. We deserve punishment. It goes on to say in verse 12 of Ephesians 2, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Everybody say, no hope. No. And without God in the world. Let me pause there. The gospel is good news, but this part doesn't sound that great, does it? But I want this to land, because if this doesn't land, that we are utterly hopeless in and of ourselves because of our sin, then the next part of the gospel actually doesn't make that much sense. Let me say it a different way. If our sin is not that big of a deal, the death of Jesus on the cross is not that big a deal. When we know that sin requires a very severe consequence, then we are then prompted to say, well, what's the solution? That's why the cross of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection is such a big deal. is because sin is a big deal. And let me be clear, there's nothing that we can do about this. And our world is trying to do things about this. Can I, can I, can I go to church enough? Can I pray enough? Can I say the right things enough? Can I not cuss or drink too much? Can I, whatever, trying to break that separation down. But guys, none of it works. The Bible is clear in Ephesians 2 that we are saved by grace through faith. There's not anything of our works in the things we can do. Now, thankfully, the good news is not stop with this point. I'm going to keep reading the rest of, of this little part in Ephesians 2, and this is about to get real good. If this excites you at all, feel free to get excited and tell me you're excited. <laughs> After we just read that we have no hope, here's what Ephesians 2.13 says. But... Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Isn't that good news? That is point three here of our gospel. Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, he offers and pays for the penalty and consequence of our sin, and he, there's forgiveness, there is hope now, and he invites us in. He breaks down that wall of separation. He invites us back in to the very original intent of God, which is for a close-knit relationship with him. 
That's good news, guys. Such good news. Now, and what, what did Jesus take on the cross? He took everything. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our punishment, our, our consequence. He's so good. How loving, how merciful, how forgiving, and how kind is Jesus that he would do that for us? Now, did any of you guys deserve it? No, me either. <laughs> we didn't deserve it. That's what makes it so much better. It says in Romans 5.8, next kind of stop on Romans Road. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his love. Oh, how loving. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Who died for us? And I'll say that again. Who died for us? Christ. Christ. Now, I'm going to focus in on, on that simple truth for a little bit because this is a very central and very significant part of, of good doctrine and what the Christian belief literally hinges on is that it was Christ Jesus that died for sin and nobody else that paid the punishment, paid the price for our sin. Do not miss this. It was Jesus and only Jesus that did this for us. There is a common belief in our generation that more or less all roads lead to the same place. All paths lead to, you know, heaven. I mean, just don't step on anybody's toes. You know, don't offend anybody. Um, don't preach that there can only be absolute truth. It's, you know, it's just re relevant truth. And, and, and I want to be clear with you guys this morning, that is not where we stand. We stand on the truth that Jesus says right here, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm committed to believe what Jesus said, Amen. not what just culture says. Another way that it says is in Acts 4.12, says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It cannot be more clear, according to the word of God, that there is no salvation, no hope, no eternal life outside of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? If someone believes something different, should we stand on street corners holding this up and telling everybody else they're going to hell? No. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what we should do. What we do is we love and we serve and we befriend anybody of any belief, of any struggle, of any um, identification. We love and serve them just like Jesus would, but then we tell them the truth that there is a loving God that revealed himself through Jesus, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. And if you believe in him, then you can have eternal life. That's what we do. Now, listen, if there was somebody else that, that died on a cross and rose from the grave, then I might, I might preach something different, but there's Buddha, he, he literally, he was cremated. <laughs> There's this place you can go visit. Muhammad, he, he died. He, I mean, you can go visit these grave sites. But for whatever reason, for the last 2,000 years, people have just not been able to find those bones of Jesus anywhere. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Where did those things go, man? <laughs> He's alive. He's alive. That's why we preach him. That's why there's no other name that you can be saved by. Because he's alive. He's the only one that's rose from the dead. Defeated the grave. Defeated sin. Defeated death itself. That's why we preach him. If there was someone else, I would tell you, but there's not. So it's not all roads that lead to heaven. It is 
the Roman road that leads to Jesus and leads to life. And now remember, it's an invitation from Jesus. It's not a forceful thing. That's why we don't shout um, from the corners. It's, it's, just, it's just an invitation from Jesus. And then it leads to the last part, part four of this progression of the gospel, which is our participation. Romans 6, 23 kind of summarizes this whole gospel, and it says, For the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a gift. And what do you do with gifts? You don't just you don't pay for them. You don't work for them. You just receive them. And we receive the gift of salvation by faith. That is our participation. But there's another word that shows up all the time in, in the word of God when it talks about putting faith in Jesus. And it's a little word called repentance. Everybody say repentance. Here's what Hebrews 6.1, hopefully it will be on the screen. Behind me, Hebrews 6.1 says... Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. All right, it's not up there. Hebrews 6, verse 1. It says, here's the foundation. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Now, let me be clear. These aren't, I don't believe these are two separate things because, again, there's nothing that we can add to what Jesus did on the cross for our salvation but faith and re- repentance, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. It is, it is the very foundation. You can't really have faith without repenting, and you can't really repent without putting your faith in something. It's like this. Repentance, literally, the Greek word means it's to turn, to change course. So when you repent from your sin, you're, you're turning, and then what are you turning to? Faith in the finished work of Jesus. Do you see that working together? I'm going to impact that a little bit more. So when, when it comes to what you say you believe, faith in Jesus that leads to salvation is more than just a general acknowledgement that God is God and that even Jesus is the Son of God. It's not just a general, like, you guys know that even demons know that God is God and Jesus is the Most High, the, the Son of the Most High God. I literally read it this morning in Mark 5, this interaction with Jesus and a demon. The demon says, what do I have to do with you, son of the most high God? It's like, and then, of course, Jesus puts them in pigs. You know, what else would you do? <laughs> Mark 5, just read it later. <laughs> so let me, let me here's, an, here's an example. It's, it's a little bit of a scary verse in the word of God, but can I read it to you? Yeah. Great. I was going to do it anyways. James 2, 18 through 20. Just think about this in regards to repentance and faith working together. Two sides of the same coin. It says, James 2, 18 through 20. says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. But even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you know, do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, James, amazing book of the Bible, could easily be confusing, and what I just read could easily be taken out of context. Here's what he's not saying, because as you look at it throughout the rest of the lens of the Word of God, it's clear. What he's not saying is that, oh, you got to do some works with your faith to get you saved. It's not what he's saying. He's saying that true faith, not a dead faith, an alive faith, is going to change the course of what you're doing. 
It's, it's repentance. I have faith in Jesus. Well, how, do I, how did I get faith? I turned from what my faith was in, which is all my dead works and my sin, and now I'm repenting, turning, and having, putting my faith in Jesus. So this morning, I just wanna, I wanna submit to you, some of us, because we grew up in America, and many of us in Texas, many of us in church our whole life, I would say most of you have a general belief that God is God and that Jesus is his son, but you, you know you've never like repented of sin and began to put your faith in Jesus. And I want to submit to you to maybe reevaluate this morning, where, where are you? Where are you? And remember, this is always an invitation from Jesus. So if you know you've never done that, then the Lord is inviting you this morning to do that because he wants to set you free from this place of sin and brokenness and wants you to turn to him and find freedom and life and forgiveness. Amen? And, you know, there's this thing called conviction as well. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which accompanies the preaching of the gospel. And I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, someone just clearly explained the gospel, and I felt something inside of me like, oh, I need that. (laughs) I just felt, I was like, oh, okay, something's pounding in here, and I don't know, I mean, what? I didn't drink drink coffee when I was 17, so it wasn't that. It was just like, man, what? What is going on? And it was, it was the, the priest and gospel, the, the, the Holy Spirit's conviction. I knew I needed to respond to that. And it reminds me of uh, Acts 2, very, uh, towards the end of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came for the first time, Peter gets up and preaches at the end of his message. Here's what it says, Acts 2, 37. It says, when they heard this, the preaching of the gospel, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do to be saved? It reminds me also of a preacher back in the Second Great Awakening in the mid-1800s, uh, a guy by the name of Charles Finney. Everybody heard of Charles Finney before, a few of you guys? He's old. Well, he's, yeah. He's also dead, but <laughs> anyways. <laughs> when he would preach, now listen, this is eight, mid-1800s. He would gra- gather crowds of thousands without a microphone. He would preach, all would hear, and literally at the preaching of the gospel at some of his uh, meetings, Literally, people would be so convicted, they would repent of their sin, they'd get on their knees, they'd repent of their sin, they'd weep because they were, they were so cut to the core. It said literally some people would even like hunch over and begin to groan like, oh, I need you, Jesus. I repent, I turn to you, and I put my hope in you. Powerful, powerful preaching. It, and it reminded me of an experience I had not too long ago. Just remember, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. There is an original when you're convicted and you repent and give your life to Jesus, but it's an ongoing. Jesus even said to keep with repentance. Continue to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. And I was reminded of uh, our spring break trip that we take College Ministry Revive uh, 2017. Uh, we start Revive here, then we go um, to Louisiana and we, and we tell people about Jesus. But one of the things that we did here is we worship together and we hear teachings. And I invited Ashley Hardy, our lead pastor's wife, to preach on holiness. And if you're looking for like a comfortable, cozy message to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, you do not ask Ashley Hardy to preach on holiness. <laughs> Some of you guys don't know her, but <laughs> just, yeah. And that, but thankfully, that's not what we were wanting. Like, no, preach it. Preach holiness. She was just preaching the gospel. She was talking about the fear of God. And at the end of this message, I was literally right here on the floor in a ball, <laughs> just like shaking because the Holy Spirit was convicting me of like just deep layers of selfishness that I was carrying in my life, and I was repenting to the Lord. And what I, I want us to know as we're talking about the gospel is that 
a crucial part is us responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repenting and turning. And guys, I got off that floor, changed, different. So it's, it's a message of hope. There is hope no matter where you are right now. Conviction and repentance is a good thing. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's a good thing. They're literally, guys, there's nothing better than getting right with God. Nothing better than getting right with God. And let me summarize this whole point of our participation here by reading a verse in Acts 20, verse 20 and 21. It's, uh, Paul says this to kind of summarize what he would always go around and preach. And it says, Acts, Acts 20, 20 and 21, it says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks. Here's what he preached. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our participation in the gospel. So what do we do again with the gospel? We got to know it. Right now, you guys know it. You got to choose to believe it. Some of you guys have already believed it and you get to believe it again because it's really good news. And then we live it and then we, we share it out. We share it with others because it's so, so good. So what do we do now? We're going to respond. We're going to have the band come on up, and we're going to respond to the message of the gospel. To some of us, this will be just a helpful reminder, and just you can celebrate that Jesus has come and taken away your sins and given you a new life. Others of you maybe need to respond for the very first time. No matter where you are, I'm glad you're here, and the Lord wants you here. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning. Let me get some of our uh, life group leaders uh, to come on down for our ministry team. We close out our Sunday services, again, by just responding to not necessarily the message, but responding to what the Lord is doing inside of your own heart. And we invite some of our friends down here uh, that are committed to Jesus. They did not have it all together, but they want to pray for you because there's just something that happens in us when we take that next step of faith and we respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. It kind of seals the deal of what God is doing, and we want to pray for you. There's two main things I want to invite you guys uh, down to receive prayer for. One is that whole repentance word. If you are honest with yourself and you have reevaluated like I suggested you do that, and you maybe realize, I've kind of settled for just a general belief that God's real, and you know you've never like repented and turned toward Jesus and said, no, you can have my life, then I believe that the Lord is inviting you to say yes to him today and say yes to his invitation. Second group of people, I mentioned it towards the beginning of the message, you've been struggling with a lot of negative thoughts about yourself, you've been struggling with kind of depressive cycles, you've been struggling maybe with suicidal thoughts, and if that is you this morning, do not leave here without getting prayer from someone. Jesus is alive and he's more powerful than those nagging thoughts and he wants to set you free. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have everybody keep their eyes open. Usually during this part, I have everybody close their eyes and I'm going to keep the music going. That's, that's fine. But, uh, but there's something about this repentance word. I was, I was talking with God about it. There's something about this, like, Lord, no, I need you. There's something about that, that, like, the implication is that you don't care what anybody else thinks. You just, you just know you need Jesus, and you're going to say yes. So with everyone's eyes open, if you know there's something tugging on your heart and you need today to repent, give your life over to Jesus because you know that the consequence of your sin is a big deal and you want uh, to experience the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, then what I want you to do is take a really bold step this morning and I want you to raise your hand right now. If you're saying, I need to repent, I need to give my life over to Jesus, I need to start afresh. 
Exciting, y'all. Keep them up real high. Anybody else? The, the, the time that I raised my hand for the first time when I was 17, the pastor had to ask twice because I was too scared the first time. Anybody else? Anybody else? Should it be in? Awesome. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand. If you raise your hand, just put both hands up in the air where I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? And we're gonna, you're going to be talking to Jesus yourself. All you got to do is repeat after me, and I believe that the Lord is going to come. He's going to set you free from sin and shame and guilt. He's going to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk with Him for the rest of your life. So go ahead. Raise your hands up to heaven. Go ahead. Just repeat after me. Church, you can repeat it with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I confess my sin. I believe you died and you rose again. Wash me clean from all my sin, from all my shame. Let me have a fresh start today. I turn to you and I receive the free gift of salvation. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me power to live this life because I can't do it myself. Thank you for your mercy this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God's good. Amen. Come on. All right, church, here's what we're going to do. If you're one of those folks that raise your hand, we want to pray for you. Just kind of seal the deal. We want to connect you also and give you some next steps about what you can do to be a part of community because it's hard to really follow Jesus trying to do it all by yourself. So come, I mean, just move people out of the way if you need to and just go ahead and come on down. We want to pray for you. This is a serious, serious day. Everybody else, if you, if you need to respond to that word about just negative thoughts, then come get prayer. Everybody else, let's just celebrate the gospel. Let's just remember that we're free. Amen.